everyone, and welcome to the Carry On Cast. This is a podcast of Easter Lutheran Church. You get to hear from the pastors, and we get to talk together about the Bible passage that we'll hear in worship this coming week. I'm Pastor Megan, and I'm here with... Pastor Jen. And Pastor Jay. Hey, it's good to be together. Great to be with you, too. Yeah, hey, so we are continuing in our series, uh, People of the Promise. We are reading from Old Testament prophets and i know that most people hear those words and their eyes start to glaze but i'm promising you that these are really interesting stories and they get us deep into biblical history uh, help us hear more about some times where god's people went through really difficult and challenging seasons and uh, we get to hear god's promises at work through these people and in these times so i think there's some really exciting stuff going on here and today folks wow we have what I think is a really fantastic story. Um, you missed out on us prepping ahead, talking about this story, and it is, oh, it's something. It's a lot of fun. We're, I'll give it away. We're going to talk about <gasps> Esther oh, today, spoiler. and we already, the three of us have already been talking about it because we couldn't we couldn't stop ourselves. It's such a fun story. I'll, I read it this morning. It's been a long time since I read, read it straight through, but I encourage everybody to read it when you have some time. It's only 10 chapters. It doesn't take a lot of time mm-hmm. to read. The, the story, the whole story of Esther in the, the Hebrew scripture is, is a fun one. Yes. And it's a real narrative too, yes. right? It's mm-hmm. it's a real top to bottom actual story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's meant to be read aloud, and it's meant to be read aloud with people who are, well, just partying. Yeah, like, right. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, so party. <laughs> like I feel like we should be have we should have a lot more drama going on with our conversation today. Like you you have to hear the booze and <sighs> the cheering and everything in this story is over the top, and it's meant to be over the top. The women are the most beautiful. The men are the most evil and the most good. And everything is huge. And it's just, yeah, it's so much fun. And, and, and yeah, you, uh, Pastor Jen, you alluded to that when this story gets read on the festival of Purim, uh, for our friends who are Jewish, um, they read this story from, you know, top to bottom in, in worship together, but it, but that's not all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't kidding when we said it's a party because, uh, you, you do indeed boo and cheer. If you hear the bad guy's name, you boo and hiss. If you hear the good guy's names, you cheer. There's usually sugary snacks. There's usually people running around. Sometimes there's something a little stronger in people's cups. Um, it is a, it is a party. And it is costumes. a yeah, and costumes. Yeah, and costumes and everything. It yes. is a the the story of Esther when told on Purim is a is a full on party. So on Sunday would it be okay if people came in costume to oh worship? I think that yeah. might be a, appropriate. Oh uh, my goodness. So <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I won't do well, that. You, but. I, why don't you lead the charge? Okay. Esther, I'll get a, a silly hat or, or something. Go. I like where this is going. Um, I learned when my when my kid, my third grader, when she got her uh, Bible for the first time this fall, uh, the kids were all kind of invited afterwards to talk a little bit about, you know, did they have a favorite Bible story? And and my kid mentioned the story of Esther. And so I'm sure she's been hearing some of these stories. And honestly, if we read the story of Esther in worship, 
had a party, handed out cookies, wore costumes. I promise you this would be her favorite story for all eternity. This would be the winner. Absolutely. That'd be great. And anybody <laughs> listening at home, you if you don't have time to read all 10 chapters of Esther, there are some great YouTube videos that tell the story in just a couple of minutes that you can find. Some animated ones. I bet some kid-friendly yeah. uh, ones. Uh, so go do some research online. Uh, share with your kids or grandkids the story of Esther, and you can have some conversation before coming to worship on Sunday. Absolutely. And we only read uh, part of chapter four in worship. But the thing about Esther, like we said, is it's a, it's a full narrative. So it's important to know, I think, what gets us to chapter four and where the story goes after chapter four. Um, the story begins with hearing about some court intrigue. There's a queen. Uh, the king thinks she's super beautiful, of course. Uh, he and his friends want her to dance for them. And she says, no. Um, because she's, you know, not, not cheap like that. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. And she gets kicked out. She's, she's yeah. removed from the royal yeah. court. She's banished. Yep. Yeah. So for, for daring to say no, so there is some misogyny go, uh, mm-hmm. at work here. Um, and now the king needs a new queen. So he goes and looks all over the kingdom and he finds Esther, who, uh, this is, uh, remind me where this is set. Is this in Babylon? Persia. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So this is when the Jewish people are are in exile, uh, theoretically, right? So they're they're strangers in a strange land. They mm-hmm. are not natives. Uh, they're they're oppressed people, effectively. But still, Esther, for her for her beauty and her grace, is elevated to the position of queen. But nobody knows that she's Jewish. Her her uncle encourages her to keep that secret. Yeah, what is the relationship with Mordecai? Mordecai is not her father, but kind of right. acts as her father. It's a family member, yeah. a, an older male family, so a cousin or an uncle, and, and mm-hmm. functions as a father, I right, think, in this Right, right. And then he advises her, just kind of keep keep your your Jewishness, Jewishness under wraps. Don't don't let anybody know and, and just fit in. Right? And then as they fit in, uh, the it's funny because her, her uncle Mordecai does not choose to fit in he actually says no to to bowing to one of the king's uh main advisors um and this makes haman the bad guy that's where you all right make haman very angry and so he unleashes a plot to murder all the jews all the jewish people yeah and mordecai and mordecai yeah not just mordecai but all of them not just mordecai he's not just going to punish the guy who's given him a perceived slight yeah but all of mordecai's people as well so this is this is the plot as it has unfolded that's right and then and then what happens um oh there's an, an important part here that i think even before Haman comes on the scene mordecai is sitting outside the gate and he hears that there's a plot to kill or assassinate the king and he lets people know about it um i think through esther right and so that is uncovered and they go and investigate and find out yes these other two people were going to kill the king and they arrest him and it's written down in the the history books there that uh, a record that mordecai was the one who uncovered this plot uh so he's he's recognized for that at this point it's just written down uh but then later that comes back uh, to, to play an important role there because then Mordecai will be honored by the king. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's lots of little parts to this story. Right. That... It's, such a, it's such a court intrigue story. Yeah. Uh, but, but let's hear from chapter four, which is kind of right in the middle. This is sort of the, um, 
man, this is the kickoff of the big action of the story and the big burden placed on Esther on behalf of her people. So, um, Pastor Jen, will you read for us uh, from Esther chapter 4, verses 1 through 16? Yes. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went through the city, wailing with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. In every province, wherever the king's command and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and most of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. When Esther's maids and her eunuchs came and told her, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was happening and why. Hathach went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther, explain it to her, and charge her to go to the king and make supplication to him and entreat him for her people. Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a message for Mordecai, saying, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. Only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone may that person live. I myself have not been called to come in to the king for thirty days. When they told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews, for if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter, but you and your father's family will perish. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Then Esther said in reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf, and neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Woo-wee! Look at that lady and all her confidence. A woman of valor. That's right. Ashley yes, Kyle. a lot of bravery. Yeah. There. So, so what has happened here? The 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 uh, Haman's plan to have the Jews killed uh, has gone out, has been disseminated. Mordecai has found it out, has mm-hmm. gone into deep, deep mourning because he and all his people are about to be murdered. That's the sackcloth, sackcloth and ashes part. That's he's in mourning, um, and he puts in a call to his his family member to Esther and says, "Stand up for your people." And she says, "Whoa." Here's the deal. You can't just talk to the king. Mm-hmm. You have to have permission to talk to the king. Mm-hmm. So I can't go plead my case because if I do, uh, he'll have me killed. And Mordecai says, hey, uh, basically, you're going to die either way. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is the time that you need to step up and you need to do something good. And she says, well, 
if I perish, I perish. And she makes up her mind to do what she can do. And if Christians know the book of Esther, since we don't celebrate Purim, they may most likely know that phrase for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. If you keep silent as, at such a time of this, it will not go well for you. If, But perhaps you are in this position in royalty, in the, the palace, for such a time as this, to act on behalf of others to save the Jewish people. Yeah, yeah, I think that line, you know, for such a time of this, uh, can veer into throw pillow theology, you know, the, mm-hmm. the kind of the, a, a neat little line that you can cross stitch on a pillow and, oh, for such a time as this. But it's more than just like this sort of inspirational saying. It's it's this confidence that you, God has been at work in your life to bring you to this place and you are being called upon to use your position, your abilities, your privilege, your skills, everything at your disposal, not just for your own good, but but for the good of others to save the lives and welfare of others. So it's a um, it's more than just a feel good little phrase. It's a it's a hefty challenge, I think, and responsibility. Yeah, yeah very meaningful. And we've talked about the prophets being not just fortune tellers or mm. future predictors, but speaking God's word into a particular time and place. And I think that's why this book of Esther fits with that that theme of of the prophets and and uh, being a people of promise. Uh, because Mordecai and Esther recognize the moment for what it is. Um, God is not specifically mentioned in the book Ooh, of Esther, which is interesting. It's a whole book of the Bible where God is not named even <laughs> yeah, once. But they are people of faith, the people of Jewish identity who recognize a call to act in a certain way in a particular moment, both Mordecai and Esther. Mordecai being willing to uh, stand up to Haman, not bow down to him because of his loyalty to God uh, as, as a Jew, um, and, and Esther recognizing her responsibility to act not just for herself and her own safety, but for the people. Yeah, I love Esther's complexity in this book and her struggle in that she is called to recognize her position of power and to use it Mm -hmm. and to use it to the point where she will, she doesn't know, but it's very possible that she is putting her body on the line, her life on the line. This is her calling. And I love that she struggles with it and that she is going back and forth and wondering is this the right thing to do? And mm-hmm. that she, she's human and she's trying to figure all of this out. And I love that in the end she says, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. it. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is my time. time. This is what needs to be done. And I, I think that's just really moving. Yeah. And from here, uh, the story gets, uh, I, I'm going to say rather twisty, um, because now the court intrigue portion of the story really gets deep. There's this whole ploy by Esther to to try to have, what, this big feast. And, mm-hmm. and at first the king turns it down, and then she has to wait a little bit longer, and then she has this other feast. And it's it, it's it gets, it's a bit much. It's a bit soap opera for a while. <laughs> well, yeah, but it is entertaining. So yeah. it, it yeah. does keep your attention. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's right. But I, I do think this is kind of the 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 climactic moment yeah. here, where Esther does make that choice to yeah. speak truth to power. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you, I like what you said, Jen, about uh, she wrestled with it for right. a while. It wasn't an easy decision. It reminds me of that saying that that maybe you've heard: "Speak your truth, even if your knees 
tremble or, or something right, like right, that or yeah, your voice yeah. cracks or whatever it is um you know it may not be easy to to speak truth especially to pos- people in positions of power and yet we're called to do that in faith many times i think in our own lives as well maybe not in a situation like this that Rarely is so dramatic yeah right yeah. right but it might feel like we're gonna perish yeah. <laughs> when we have to speak uncomfortable truths yeah i think that's fair i also think that um you know, a lot of times, at least for me in the past couple of years, you know, I look around at the world and gosh, ah, why am I, why, why am I living in such a complicated time of history? Mm. I wish it wouldn't have to be me. I wish it wouldn't have to be now. But then I hear this, this line and I hear, you know, hey, but, but this is where you are. You are here for such a time as this. What do you have to offer to the, the world right now? What choices can you make? How can you shine God's love? How can you care for your neighbor? How can you be at work even when times are difficult and complicated. And that's, I think, a really meaningful invitation to all of us in the book of Esther. Yeah, it could be easy for Esther to say, well, I'm a woman. I'm living in this time. I I really can't go to the king. Uh, but she recognizes, I do have some power in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it would have been simple for her to say, oh, too bad. I don't have any power. There's nothing here that I can do. But she says, oh, okay, there is something I can do, and I'm going to move forward with it. And yeah. I think at a time like this, it's so easy to say, I'm one person. There's so much going on in the world. I can't make a difference, but you can, even if it's something small. It's it's figuring out where your power lies and how you can use it. Absolutely. That's right. I think it's, imp- it's a reminder for us that we're called not to share Christ's love generally but in specific moments Mm -hmm. uh so it it does mean recognizing what moment are we in you know ourselves it's something incarnational about that as we prepare for christmas god didn't love the world just generally but in a particular place and time through through jesus and now through all of us as the body of christ god is loving and serving in particular moments too And that's the invitation, I think, of the Advent season, right? Mm -hmm. To look forward to Christmas, not just saying, okay, I'm getting ready for Christmas as in I'm setting up my tree and I'm wrapping my presents and Advent is my warning signal. I've only got X number of weeks yet until Christmas comes. But a season of of preparation of of our hearts to say, in what ways has God specifically been active in history throughout history, right? What people has God chosen to use so often the most unlikely, uh, the, the outsider, someone without an obvious uh, tie to power. And so Esther is another one of these stories that reminds us that God has acted in history through someone in, in many ways unlikely, you know, someone who's, who's secretly Jewish, so she's hidden her identity. She's a woman in a, in a very male-centric power society. Um, she's, she's not native to that country and traditions. So very much an outsider being asked to step into a, a role of great power um, that requires great vulnerability from her too. And this is kind of the way God is, has really acted throughout history is through these unlikely characters. In fact, we'll eventually hear, uh, gosh, is it on Christmas Day? We're going to read the story of the genealogy of Jesus, which is easy to look at as here's another name, here's another name, here's another name. Oh, that mm-hmm. was before. It's the Sunday before Christmas. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, And it's easy to look at it as, oh, just this whole list of names. Holy moly. It's like 15 verses full of names. 
But if you look into who those names are, it's it's not the most powerful. It's not the most. I mean, there's like King David in there, so yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's people who are who are outsiders, people who are unexpected, people who uh, were called on to be brave in a difficult time. Um, and those are the stories we, we remind ourselves of at Advent. This is the way God has worked throughout history, mm-hmm. culminating in the gift of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Did we share what our, what happens at the end of Esther? No. Oh, no. Yeah, no. That she actually Don't give does. it away. Don't, oh, no. no, no. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's only been around for a few thousand years. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> she actually, Esther does make a difference. Like, yeah. she saves her people. Yes. Yes. And Not he, only does she save her people, yes. but evil Haman <laughs> is, is punished with his life. For this evil plot to, to wipe out all the Jews. And Mordecai is On is his given, own post. On his own <laughs> post. Yeah. Uh, Mordecai is given, Mordecai. Right, given full recognition for the ways that he has served the king and uh, and represented his people. And, uh, and we celebrate. We rejoice because Esther has overcome and God's people have, have again been saved. They mm-hmm. have again survived through the grace of God, although God remains... <laughs> unnamed even in the end of the story mm-hmm. yeah i can't speak to what this book means to the jewish people um but i it's it's very powerful for them it's it's read it's remembered every year and i think that that's something for us to take is that this is a meaningful important story um for faithful people and and what can it tell us it can tell us a lot right right it tells us a lot about about persistence, about bravery, about uh, paying attention to what God is up to among us, even in challenging times. Mm-hmm. And these are all invitations, I think, that uh, that we can appreciate now and, and, and anytime, really. And that when we speak to power in our own way, we can actually make a difference. Yes. Even if it's small, mm-hmm. but it, it could be big. It, you never know how God's going to use what mm-hmm. you bring. Oh, you never Who know. Who knows? What... I like that that kind of humility in the yeah. question. Who knows? Maybe right. you were sent here for such a time as this. We don't really know yeah. the full plan or, or the full consequences of our actions, but we can trust that, that good things will ripple out from what we do in faith. That's right. There's your challenge, folks. There's your there's your reminder that God is at work through you. And we don't know what will happen, but we can trust that God is at work through it. So mm-hmm. thank you for joining us all again this week here on the Carry On Cast, uh, the podcast of Easter Lutheran Church, where our mission is to grow in faith and carry on the work of Jesus Christ. Thank you, everyone. May the road rise up to meet you, may the wind be always at your back, may the sun shine